Welcome back to the Wild Side News. And now, Sydney Wildsmith. It's been written about, songs have been sung, people paint it and draw it, love it as well they should. It's our land, our wildlands, and the miraculous mystery and beauty of nature. In a moment, we meet someone who has spent years and years looking at it, and in so doing, capturing the magic as few can. Tom Mangelson, premier nature photographer, when to return, here on the Wild Side News. Wildside News. And now, Sydney Wildsmith. Welcome back indeed to the Wildside News. Tom Mangelson is joining us from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And I can't tell you what a pleasure it is to talk with him. Uh, Tom, how yes. are things going in uh, Jackson Hole this morning? It's a beautiful, cold morning here. It looks like fall. It uh, feels like fall. Uh, sort of the crystal crystal mist in the air, that type of thing? Or? Yeah, heavy frost and uh, fresh snow in the on the Tetons and um, ice on my back porch this morning. Well, I'm in San Diego. I kind of miss those <laughs> days once in a while. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. That's, that's God's country up there. Great time of year to be here. It is indeed. Well, a lot of you are very familiar with Tom's work. He's been uh, his his works have been seen literally all around the world. Uh, his probably his most famous piece that everybody has seen. If you haven't, I don't know where you've been, but it's a huge brown, a large bear. He's got his mouth wide open, and he's just about to catch this salmon. It's an extraordinary work, and uh, boy, that, there's got to be some great stories about that. But let's start out with the beginning, uh, Tom. Um, you actually started out in a small town in America, and it's from those roots that this passion for the earth and for nature began. Yeah, I, I grew up in Grand Island and, and Ogallala and Ogallala, Nebraska when I was uh, my first 20 years or so of my life, I guess, born in Grand Island and grew up on the Platte River and the Platte, uh, it's probably the Platte, my father, probably most responsible for me going into to nature photography. But my dad took me hunting and fishing and we uh, spent a lot of time on the, on the river and watching and, and uh, waiting for the ducks and geese to come in and that's my early, early experience. Is it? Well, I, I think that the process of sitting and waiting and watching, because that's what you do, yeah. and you spend uh, hours, sometimes many afternoons and days, and uh, watching. And so that's that's when this eye began to develop, I suppose. Well, I think so. I didn't know any better. Like when I was, my dad literally took me out in a, uh, a ducky quay boat when I was, you know, a year old, and, and I didn't know any better, learn any better than just sit and wait, and we'd sit for you know, maybe a whole, whole week waiting for one flock of geese to, to come by or come into the decoys and I uh, just thought that was normal normal behavior and I never quite grew out of it so fortunately for me I'm, I'm used to waiting and and uh, you know waiting for that one moment and now it's just changed from you know looking down a barrel of a shotgun to looking through a lens but uh, thank God for my dad for you know teaching me that I guess it wasn't of course just the hunting it also involved walking around and and uh, experiencing nature and you know, in areas like you're talking about, growing up in small town America, 
Um, that's a rich life. Yeah, no, it was a, there was so many. We lived right on the, um, the South Platte River um, when it was no and then the, the main Platte in uh, Grand Island, but just uh, and behind the in Oglala, just behind the house were the, the um, sand hills, which, which are you know rich in coyotes and, and prairie chickens and, and jackrabbits and everything else. And then the river bottom had you know beavers and ducks and geese and, and um, a lot of Indian artifacts. We'd go arrowhead hunting, and, and um, so I was just you know spending a lot of time in outdoors, which I couldn't quite get out of my system. I understand that. So um, then you proceeded to uh, go on to college. And uh, why don't you talk a little bit about how, how that led into your actually getting involved with photography. Well, I didn't buy a camera or even take a picture until I was um, actually out, out of uh, under, undergraduate school at a little school called Dillon College in Creek, Nebraska. It's a liberal arts school. And, and uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. My dad had a dime store in, Nebraska, in Omaha, and um, it was called Harold W. Mangelson and Sons. And all four of his sons, including myself, were in the business until I... I went off to college, and even during summer schools, I'd go back there. But uh, I realized um, during college that I wanted to do something with wildlife, wildlife biology. So I studied biology in uh, undergraduate school, and went to the University of Nebraska in um, zoology, and then went on to um, Colorado State to um, continue my master's program in, in wildlife biology. But in the meantime, uh, after being there for a year or so, I was offered a job doing cinematography for a company in. Boulder, Colorado, um, photographing and, and filming uh, wildlife or uh, animal behavior films. So that was actually my first real job, and I was still doing some stills, but uh, sort of was diverted by cinematography for about five years. And then after I did that, I, I uh, realized I still wanted to, to do something with still photography, so I started doing limited edition prints, and, and that was a uh, sort of never looked back. I guess there was some encouragement by certain mentors along the way that uh, helped you to realize that this might be something you'd want to do. Well, yeah, especially uh, there were two or three. There was um, probably the main, main person or two that uh, Paul Jones guarded at the University of Nebraska who's written, I think, about 45 books on different groups of, of birds, everything from waterfowl of the world to uh, pheasants of the world, and grouse and quails of the world, things. Uh, he was my graduate advisor at the University of Nebraska and um, an avid photographer and uh, artist and and um, he uh, took me on several of his trips as an assistant, a field assistant and uh, so that's sort of where I first got hooked on photography and he gave me a few lessons on you know lenses to use and shutter speeds and kinds of film and that was about my extent of my sort of formal training and then I met an artist, uh, Owen Gromme who's a famous uh, oil painter from Wisconsin. His son worked on the um, the films that I was working on. He was a consultant on the, on the films in, in Boulder, and his father was a famous painter who I met in Wisconsin and spent time with and watched him paint. And, and he encouraged me to um, do more photography, and um, he was one of the few people doing limited, limited edition prints of his paintings at the time, and I was naive enough to think that uh, maybe I could just do limited edition prints of my photography, which really wasn't, was pretty crappy photography at the time, but I didn't know any better, fortunately. So, uh, but I kept with it, and uh, because of his encouragement and, and Paul's and a couple others, um, after doing a number of art fairs, I uh, uh, decided that wasn't uh, a very easy way to make a living, and, and uh, open 
Tom, I was I was talking to a close friend of mine who's um, who's very much a, a, a nature man. And he was saying that when I mentioned to you, he said, "Oh yeah, the guy who has his work in the in the airport." <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I most of them. It seems like uh, people know me from uh, I first is often I'm saying, but I first discovered you in the Denver airport. Yes, that's. And, uh, and it was just this kiosk display with a little black and white brochure with an 800 number, and my brother was back in. David was back in uh, Omaha framing in the in the garage, cutting two by fours into two by twos and staining them, and and driving my my dad crazy who had his bedroom upstairs, and and then uh, we moved into a warehouse. And but the um, the airport is, but we had one in Denver. We still have one. Well, actually, we have a, a couple of galleries in Denver now. Real galleries you walk into instead of just a kiosk. But, uh, As a matter of fact, uh, why don't you talk about your galleries briefly, and let's talk about. Uh, Please uh, let let people know where they can find them and their name, and then let's talk about how you go about this and the joys you have from your photography and your work. Well, the the, the galleries is a website. It's www.mangelson.com or Images of Nature, which are there's 16 galleries. Um, I won't go through them all. There's most of them are in the West and um, uh, the Hoya and Santa Barbara and some in Colorado and uh, one in Jackson here in the Denver airport. But uh, the website can lead uh, people to the galleries if they're nearby if they want to, would like to go. And that's M-A-N-G-E-L-S-E-N. Right. Mangelson. Yes, indeed. Uh, if you haven't been to a Tom Mangelson Images of Nature gallery, go. Um, these are divine uh, reconstruct. Well, ca you've captured <laughs> the divinity in form. You really have. It's, it's, it's terrific. So, you're a lucky guy. You get to travel and you have all over the world photographing. Um, where have you been uh, so far in, in life? Well, I'm very lucky, and I never thought I'd actually get out of Nebraska. I took my nephew, who is 24 years old, recently to uh, Rwanda and Tanzania. I just returned about a week ago, and still sort of jet-lagged. Um, um, but he, like myself, he had never been out of out of the um, the country until we went about two, six weeks ago. Um, but since then, I've been to a lot of places. Um, a lot, of, I think. Um, People think I've been to probably more than I have been, but there's, I realize how how big and also how small the Earth is in many ways. But uh, I've been to India to photograph uh, Bengal tigers, and uh, spent a lot of time in in Africa, in the Serengeti, and in Kenya, and Botswana, and Namibia, and, and certainly a lot of time in, yeah, in the North, and probably the Serengeti, the, the High Arctic, uh, Alaska, and Northern Canada, and um, the Serengeti are probably my favorite places, along with the Platte River, who, which is where I started, of course. But um, yeah, I've been fortunate to be in a lot of places. How do you how do you choose a location to shoot from? Well, you know, I think you know, I see a lot of we all do. We read, uh, read, uh, watch television, or television, or, or you know, people say, "Well, yeah, I should go to such and such a place. You should go see the snow monkeys in Japan," and I'll see pictures of the snow monkeys went there last winter for the first time and also to Antarctica and of course you know everybody knows about Africa and I think a lot of people streamed anyway mine certainly was for years to go to Africa and, and I think that's from um, things we see and, and uh, then oftentimes I will go to a place uh, I want to photograph a polar bear basically a polar bear for a book I was doing um, in about 1988 and after I saw my first polar bear I, I was so hooked on polar bears I went back for the next 15 years and spent you know, four to six weeks every year photographing polar bears.
things and and this I had these sort of periods in my life I guess where I get hooked on an animal and um, I finally saw a mountain lion three or four years ago uh, in 1999 in just National Elk Refuge here which I didn't think I'd ever see a a mountain lion and um, or if I did I probably wouldn't ever get a good picture of it and uh, I spent 42 days watching this well, that's actually become one of your major passions, and you actually have a, a, a an organization dedicated to cougars. Right. We started to, after this 42-day experience uh, watching this uh, female with her three kittens. Um, I was basically there most of every day for 42 days uh, from before it got light till it got dark, and I realized how important and precious mountain lions are. And uh, I never, I never really. I mean, I always had to be. They were really neat predators, like. Grizzly bears and wolves and big carnivores. But um, after watching this this female, they back up a little bit. They, a lot of people would come into my galleries and they'd say, "Why don't you have pictures of mountain lions?" Because everybody, all most photographers have pictures of mountain lions. And I would say, "Well, I knew where they came from. They're mostly trained uh, animals that live in these photography game farms that are very small." Uh, you know, they live in very small cages about the size of a, a station wagon, and then um, they're hauled around the country. It's a huge uh, point. I just want to make the point that uh, anything that you see that, uh, as a Tom Mangelson photograph is authentic. He's been there and done that. These are not staged. Thank you. But there's a lot of wildlife photographs that aren't, and that's, that's one of the big issue is, is that a lot of, especially the large predators, but now even things like possums and skunks are are kept in cages and they're put into what looks like a natural setting and then people take pictures of them and try to pawn them off as, as the real thing. But um, but I would, you know, so I just thought, well, I tell these people, well, I just don't have pictures of mountain lions. I probably never will. And, you know, it's it's not only not worth my time to, you know, spend, you know, a couple of years trying to get a good picture because you could go out in the morning and do it in one of these game farms. But um, um, it's just, so anyway, this mountain lion showed up and, and it sort of changed my life. And, we started um, a partner at the time, Kara Leslie. She she said, "Well, we should do a book about it. That I'll write it." And she said, "You should. Uh, we'll do some put some pictures in it." And it's, it's such a rare experience to see a mountain lion and spend that much time with it that uh, we should do a book. So we did a book called Spirit of the Rockies, which she wrote. And and, uh, and then after that, the uh, Wyoming Game and Fish Department about two months later raised the quota on the number of mountain lions to be to, that could be shot in this area. And that upset us enough, and we tried to try to make sense of it, but there was no biology behind that decision. So that led that led us to forming the Cougar Fund. Tom, how can people uh, get a hold of uh, the Cougar Fund and, and learn more about that? Uh, it's cougarfund.org. Uh, so it's www.cougarfund.org, and uh, that will give them a lot of information about the Cougar Fund. The time flies. Tom, I feel like we've walked the fields together. Let's continue the story again. But thank you so much. Okay, Tom, it's been a pleasure. You know, when we return, we're going to talk with the legendary Terry Tempest.